0: You're listening to Otto D, coming at you live. Yes, which way? What, when, how? Mr. Otto D, fit the track right now. Hey,
1: I'm auto D. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to listen to some great music and talk to some really cool people. And I know there's a lot of things you could be doing, so I appreciate that you're getting with this. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in this lovely Monday evening. I am your host, Otto D'Agnolo, and tonight I'm going to be speaking with America's foremost speed painter, Mr. Randall Hedden, just after this track by Jonathan Brooke called The Wind from her CD titled, My Mother Has Four Noses.
2: You take the path down to the shore, but no one lives there is shuttered, the birds bare, papers scattered everywhere, the labyrinth of all your fears, the twisted plot that brought you here, you ring it out year after year, with more faith Right through you You're hollow as a shell But you still can't hear the sea But before you hit the ground, there's no
1: And that was The Wind from the CD My Mother Has Four Noses by Jonathan Brook here on The Auto D Show, which is brought to you by Jet Set Magazine, the world's leading affluent lifestyle publication. So please visit their website at JetsetMag. And if you'd like to explore the opportunity and benefit of being one of my sponsors, go to ottod.com, that's O-T-T-O-D.com, and click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link. My sponsors get visibility here on this site, on my personal webpage as well, and at my concerts. And it's inexpensive, so feel free to check it out. And uh, with no, without further ado, I should say, I'd like to introduce my guest, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Randall Hedden. Thank you very much, Otto. Hey, how do you like the applause? Oh, First, I can't see the people, though. The, I can hear it, you're though. You're the first one to ever get applause. my <laughs> new toy. So how are you doing, Randall? I'm doing all right. I uh, introduced you as America's foremost speed painter, but your your experience and uh, all the things you do is much broader than just speed painting. Give me a yeah. quick overview of what it is you do. Gosh, it's a lot of things. I'm in the,
3: I'm in the art and design, visual art field. I design restaurants. I've, I've helped... Design theme parks, uh, Hmm. uh, resorts. I've worked for Mattel Toy Company for 16 years, Walt Disney for 18 years, Wow! Holiday cool. uh, Inns. I've done uh, work and did some contract work for the Kentucky Derby for four years straight. Oh wow! So all that. Uh, I had a contract for a while for about eight years with Sony.
1: And they just call you a speed painter. They just painter.
3: Call, yeah. it's they like, call call me a speed painter the
1: gallery you, in downtown
3: Scottsdale. You do that stuff for three really, years.
1: You do that stuff really fast. Is that yeah, really yeah. They get it out of the way really quick. Okay, so know? let's hold on. Before okay, I have a funny feeling. That Too much information here. No, it's like oh my gosh, I I didn't realize, and there's so much more. You just mentioned uh, a gallery but before we I want to know about that but before we do let's back up a little bit you mentioned Walt Disney yeah so what were you doing with Walt Disney Um,
3: I actually worked and did a lot of murals in their theme parks Okay. You know, downtown Disney, Walt Disney World, Disneyland. Then I also worked on their trade shows all over the, all over the world. I designed all of their flow for the trade shows, the backdrops, and, and everything.
1: As far as murals go, what have you done a lot of work with murals, or was that just the only mural? Uh, for a long time, I probably
3: was the... Mm, the most prolific or largest mural artist in the state of
1: Arizona for probably at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. Did you do some residential homework like that?
3: Uh, Some upscale residential, but I prefer to do the corporate and uh, commercial stuff.
1: You did a line of, uh, gosh, I should say this, I'm jumping around too, but you did a line of... uh, of uh, classic rock stars and a recent uh, series of paintings that you created that are that mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. And uh, I I knew that you had turned those into a mural somewhere in town when I was driving down Scottsdale <laughs> Road and saw the three of them on yeah. the front of a building and yeah. they looked incredible from the street to see these paintings. You know, Jerry Garcia, I believe, and Janis Joplin and uh, Jimi Hendrix. Jim, was it Jimi Hendrix? Jimi oh, no. Hendrix and who else? It was uh, Morrison, Jim Morrison. On wall, yeah. Yeah. Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah. And
3: actually, I got up there didn't even have time to sign them because they wanted to get them up and get them out by the time i came back somebody else had come over and autographed
1: all of them with their own name. (laughs) their own name yeah (laughs) that's pretty funny yeah Uh, did you leave that name on no we took that off (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty funny so and let's get to the gallery then you mentioned uh the gallery tell me a little bit about that
3: well we had about 30 artists and we always carried around a million a million and a half uh, with the art yeah cash <laughs> liability more or less we, we we had a lot of fine art it was a figurative fine art gallery which meant there was only portraits and figures in there very where, where was the gallery it was right on main street the first block west in, of scottsdale road in okay. old town scottsdale
1: oh okay what was the gallery called Head and art gallery well, that makes sense Tough name uh? <laughs> it's easy to remember <laughs> um so tell me a little bit uh, when when did you open the gallery uh, I opened the gallery in 2006,
3: and I closed the gallery in 2009 after the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. And at that time, when I closed, uh, 68 other galleries followed with me. So, <laughs> but you told me not to talk about anything. Negative. negative so that so was we're good not it, was, do that.
1: it was good that all those galleries
3: yeah. closed so no no gallery closings the of the, herd. The, 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 the no ex-wives and uh,
1: <laughs> you
3: don't have any ex-wives do you oh, of course not how many how many ex-wives do you have? I got a couple of them I got a couple You know of them. If, but when somebody always asks me you say, have you been married before yeah well how many times well just I've been married before okay <laughs>
1: Well, you want to get married again yeah so right now you're married actually i am married since we're on the, I've been the personal married for side of things
3: 17 years okay
1: well that's so good that's
3: not bad she set a world record about seven years ago oh mm-hmm. lasting longer than everybody else she then. outlasted everybody by she la- i think she's outlasted everybody combined
1: well there you go so must be a good woman she's a good woman cool well listen tell me a little bit now let's get back up we heard a little bit about okay. the gallery and some of the things you've done. In fact, when you rattled off that list, I wish I'd have been writing that down. There were a couple other things you mentioned in well, there that uh, it, I was thinking about hearing more about. Well, Bes- you sent me this besides questionnaire. Disney, besides Disney, yeah, you mentioned another uh, Mattel large, toy company. Was a Mate- right. What did you do yeah. with Mattel?
3: Did the, uh, we, I would get the, the generic product. They would send it to me. Say for example, C and Say a lot of the moms out there listening would know if you had kids it was It would you'd spin it right and it would you know if you pointed it toward a duck you know then the CNC would go the duck goes you know so do, that's do, do that duck again. <laughs> that's really because <good. laughs> that's my yakky doodle I used to I used to did talk use your, like the sound Donald too? Duck but I lost a molar back here and now it's yakky doodle Okay, you know so
1: <laughs> alright but, but you weren't doing the sounds so you, they sent no, this to you no. did you do all the graphics then for the, the designed the graphics so you designed so the, the duck like you, would, right, you, know, you painted the duck right then you designed that's a awesome. board for you know
3: mad scientist uh, speed tracker uh, guy Gosh, I can't even remember them. They're so. We were talking uh, late '80s mm-hmm. when I was doing that. I moved out here from
1: Indiana in 1985. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mattel was. Were they out of Hollywood then, or where, 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 they where was? They were out of New York. Okay, at that time. Now. I know. I've seen their. I've been at their offices out in California. They
3: okay. do have. Yeah, they do have offices out there as well.
1: Okay, and then um, getting going back even further. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about maybe how how. Painting came into your life. So, for example, how old were you when you first began to paint? I was, uh, the, my r- most recent memory would be about three years old.
3: Mm-hmm. And I would be um, on the, my mother's kitchen table and I would be drawing, I like Superman and back in those days, Superman came on television almost every day. Right. You know, all those TV black shows were white. serial yeah. black mm-hmm. and white, you know, and
1: what was his name? Something George Scott. Reeves. George Reeves, okay, George right. Reeves
3: was Superman. Okay. And right. um, I always watched him every day religiously. I watched him and then there was an artist on TV that came on every day, and his name was John Nagy, and he looked like a beatnik. He had a little goatee, so I watched Superman, and then John Nagy would come on, and he'd show you how to draw a, a house and look like it had snow on it. He was more of a landscape, but I didn't like that, uh, that subject matter as much. I wanted to draw people, so I would sit there and literally draw Superman comic books, not knowing how to read or write at the time. But right. I, I put the little balloon above them and little chicken scratchings, and uh, I'd draw the advertisements in the comic books and everything. So cool. I would do that
1: all day long. Kind of spell out your whole little story and yeah. action and draw yeah. it
3: on. I was kind of a weird kid. You know, I was to myself a lot. Uh, That's not I, uncommon for artists. It? No, it's not uncommon for artists. I kind of had... Uh, I enjoyed being by myself. I could have a party in my head all day long mm-hmm. with my ideas floating in and out all mm-hmm. day long. And my dad would come home from work about three in the afternoon, and he'd literally drag me outside and say, stay out there till supper. you know. And I go, well, <laughs> I do now. I can't draw You're out here. here. I can't draw out here. I got to play basketball or football. That's, that hurts. You know? That's so it was, it was remarkable that I finally figured out that I wasn't going to get chicks or girls weren't going to like me if I – was just sitting there drawing or painting girls do that too but if I took up sports why I would get more attention so right? I started to excel at sports uh-huh. and um, uh, I, I kind of enjoyed that it kind of got me away from my art a little bit but that was fun
1: so that would have been what through high school you were junior high basically
3: it got started junior high I uh, I was in the seventh grade and didn't know how to dribble a basketball. Hmm. My dad got me out there and just dribble the basketball, and finally, by the time uh, I was in the eighth grade, I was a starting point guard for our team. Wow! So that was kind of cool. He really hid your pencils then. And, and I hit my I hit my peak at five eight and a half at, uh, at said, eighth but grade. Dad, and, I can't I, play basketball, and I stopped.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm five eight and a half now. So, yeah. you know, so um, yeah, I had a lot, a lot of fun. Then I went got back into. Uh, it, I had a good art teacher in junior high. High school. I moved into a little uh, small town, kind of like a Mayberry type town, where? and it's uh, Petersburg, Indiana. And, and so, it's, where,
1: where where did this take? Where were you born? I mean, where did the first I was born in. Place? I was
3: okay. born in Washington, Indiana, which okay. is a small town about nine thousand. Then I moved to Evansville, Indiana, oh, okay. and that's my hometown. Okay. And um, we left Evansville, Indiana, in my high school years, and I wound up in a little uh, farming community. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole city was about eighteen hundred. Mm-hmm. And Evansville is about one hundred eighty thousand. So um, my art and my my uh, music training and everything was was done. I mean, mm-hmm. I had played, you know, I played woodwind instruments in a philharmonic.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That's I learned how to read and write music mm-hmm. in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I learned all that, and by the time I was in high school. Uh, we got dumbed down i mean Mm -hmm. my art class was nothing there was no music class unless you wanted to be in a marching band right there wasn't anything else uh i started a little rock and roll group i was just uh you know i couldn't play lead guitar i i I strum chords and sang Uh and that was it and uh you know got enough girls for me
1: and (laughs) i got a little but you know what i peeked and i
3: realized that strumming the guitar i'm not going to get too much farther unless i get serious so i had to pick one of the other art right or music and i had to pick the
1: art so did you go to did you go to college at all or study art more formally yeah i went to
3: college for one year junior college Mm -hmm. um and uh uh there wasn't really much of a music program there as well, but I did take a lot of art. I took a lot of paint classes, especially. I took some electives in the evening, mm-hmm. so I got to be around a lot of other artists and paint. Uh, so I got plenty of that.
1: How'd you land your first commercial gig, or how? What kind of got you into actually making a penny painting or drawing? First made a penny because I knew in school that I could draw your face. I got.
3: Um, I was in grade school, and I always would draw somebody next to me. I was uh-huh. never. I could never pay attention in class. Um, I was. I couldn't I, either. No, nah, I couldn't. I couldn't pay attention. So I would sit and draw somebody next door. Well, I, I had this one teacher I didn't like. Her name was Mrs. Ferguson. She was about four and a half feet tall, and she had a beehive hairdo. Right. That made her look like she's about five and a half feet tall. And so I drew this cartoon or sort of a parody of Mrs. Ferguson with a beehive hairdo, but. There were bees flying out of it. There was actual hive with bees flying in and out of her head. Right. And uh, she caught me at it and sent me to the principal's office. Mm-hmm. I thought I was in deep trouble. Mr. Wiseman called me into this, his personal office, and he has the painting or the drawing in front of him. He says, did you do this? And I said, yeah, I did. And he goes, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he says, just don't do it anymore. And he says, to, and as I'm leaving the office, he says, oh, by the way, can I keep this? I said, Jerry, that's so I kept very... it. But I was always good at drawing people. So what was I did. Is that your first trip
1: to the principal's office?
3: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I got in some fights. Okay. I was always getting in fights, you know. So, so anyway, I, that's uh, that's how I got started. And then I realized that I could draw. I was drawing people in in junior high and early high and school. Where you
1: charge them? Is that where you're oh, getting yeah. back to the first oh, yeah. penny? I mean, you draw your oh, yeah. friends and show them a picture. I was and doing say, paintings
3: of my teachers and getting 25, 30 bucks. Now we're talking. Oh, wow. we're talking nineteen sixty seven.
1: That's right? pretty awesome.
3: You know, and that's pretty good money because you could go on a date, fill your car up with gas, and have dinner for five bucks right. back then. Right. So I'm walking around with 35, 40 bucks in my pocket. That's
0: my dad cool. doesn't
3: even have that in his pocket, right So this is really cool and I thought, okay, I'll do this. So I went to a, a county fair one time and saw somebody, actually my, my band was playing at a county fair and i walked around there's this guy doing he was doing caricatures right i thought you know what i can do something like this but i don't know if i want to do caricatures so i'll just do your portrait there so i bought all these uh, uh about 36 colored uh pastels and i would sit there in about 15 and chocks doing chalks real quick yeah and I, I, did, I could do your chalk portrait a, mm-hmm. your face that looks like you in in 15 minutes mm-hmm. sometimes less so Actually, I was speed painting in the '60s. Yeah, really. And and I usually would have an audience. There'd be at least fifty people watching me every time somebody sat down. So I would do that. You know, I I would be doing that at a at a county fair and charging five bucks a piece and doing four or five an hour. Mm -hmm. And so I would get out of there after a six hour day, and I've got three four hundred dollars cash in my pocket. People were making that in a week there. You know, 200 bucks a week back then was a ton of money. And I've doubled that in one evening at a county fair right. in southern Indiana. So I knew that I was on to something there. But I always had odd jobs, too. I mean, I I, I was a janitor at a little department store at night. I'd sweep mm-hmm. the floors and mop. And I had a paper route in the morning, got up at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, did a paper route, I had about 50 customers, uh, you know, shoveled snow when right. it was snowing. And uh, did all, all those kind of things. So. Fairly
1: resourceful. Yeah. Had to you stay know, busy. I, I have a story for you. When I was in grade school, I wasn't as artistic as you with my pencil, but I was as uninterested in class and as interested yeah. in selling something to my classmate for $0.05 cents or $0.25. Yeah. Cents. And I started making games. I would actually, they would, they would, they got around that I would make these little games, and they would ask me, can I have a basketball game or a football game or something? And I'd say, sure. You have to have dice. If you have dice, I can make you a game. And I would just write the numbers from 2 through 12. And I would write down the outcome of what happens, like on a kickoff, if it goes on to the end zone or down to whatever yard line. Uh-huh. And I would draw him a little football field and tell them to use a wad of paper as a ball. <laughs> and if you want to – when it's first down, if you want to pass, you roll over here. If you want to run, you roll over here. It has the yards. It's like just make it up off the top of your head and make these little lists, you know, and kids yeah. would pay me for them. So I got in trouble. That's one of the times I would go to the principal's office because well, I was making and selling all these things. I almost got in trouble. One of the two things I would
3: do is I was the president of my, my senior class. And that would mean be in charge of concessions at basketball and football games. Okay. And so we had these little this little vests we had on, uh-huh. you know. And so I always had a little bit of Everclear or something, Uh-oh. or a little whiskey. And I was selling, you know, if you want to buy a Coke for twenty five cents, if you want to give me fifty cents, I'll spike it. So I'm spiking cokes. And then what happened is in my senior year, also the Sharpie was invented, the black the black, the black right. Sharpies. And I knew that I could Im- I could copy anything my hand lettering was impeccable my line work was impeccable so what i would do is i would go up and buy a ticket to a concert right and they would stamp your hand black ink stamp your hand i'd go in i said tickets five bucks for half that price i'll draw that stamp on your hand you can walk straight through (laughs) i'd sit there and draw stamps and (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is too it's
3: funny. awful
1: that's awful well it's it's weird I, the young artistic and creative mind isn't thinking about awful they're just like Oh, I can do this. You know, yeah. I can do this. I can do this. Look so, what I can I, do. When I
3: was married, I, I remember the I had a little Volkswagen Beetle, and Volkswagen Beetles back then just would break down, and they just the horns would quit, and then you couldn't pass an inspection and be able to get a drive a, a license plate if your horn didn't work, or right. you know, constantly it was always something wrong. And the windshield wipers wouldn't right. work on those Beetles. They were awful cars. Right. So this, yeah, I remember they were always breaking. The down. sticker was about a three foot by three foot square. Uh, emblem that went in your window. So I just took my my Sharpies and I made the sticker and I stuck it in the window. So I passed the inspection <laughs> every time. Shh.
1: Shh maybe i'll come back and get yeah. you for that
3: one <laughs> in my retro 30
1: years later give me the money back well now we're going to talk a little bit about music too i know yeah, like, uh you, you i didn't realize you had been in a band or maybe you had shared that with me before i'd forgotten but well i tend not to let anybody know that too often okay but that's okay with me now everybody knows <laughs>
3: yeah everybody
1: so um w- music then when you were young were you, how many kids were in the family had a brother and a sister. Okay, and were they musically inclined at all?
3: Uh, yeah, we all were required to play instruments. My brother played um, um, cornet. He didn't play the trumpet. Okay. He, he played the corn. He played as long until he was told he didn't have to play it anymore, and he quit. Right. Uh, my sister still plays piano. She's a music director in a church. She can sing. She's she's got a great voice and uh, very musically inclined. Our family is all musical anyway.
1: So when you started, though, then obviously the parents put you on some instrument in, in school. Was it a guitar? Uh, I had to
3: play the guitar. I ta- taught myself. Right. Uh, I had to start with clarinet.
1: Guitar was way too cool to let it get Way too down. cool, yeah. yeah. We were I strict, started on
3: trumpet. We were strict Southern Baptists. You know, guitar, you know you dance, and if you dance, you're going to go to hell, so you can't play so guitar. Clarinet. <laughs> clarinet. <laughs> so clarinet. Clarinet.
1: You know, they dance to clarinet music, you know. I know. Those people go to hell, too. You oh, okay, know? <laughs> well, it's going to be a fun place. So yeah. clarinet, then how long did you play? A couple years? I
3: played clarinet like through... Grade through. You still have one. Uh, I I can still. You know, when I picked up a clarinet. My stepdaughter, when she was in in um, uh, junior high, right? She wanted to play, so we went and rented a clarinet. Uh-huh. And I had played in probably I have a trumpet in my closet. twenty years, and I put the clarinet together. I'm telling her, "Like Morgan, this is how you play it, and this is how you get the reed ready." Putting all this stuff together, and all of a sudden, this stuff just starts coming back. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm doing a, a Benny Goodman rendition of "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" to her, and she goes. Screw that! I can't play like that. And she quit. She quit. We had to take the clarinet back the next day because she kept trying to play it like that, and it kept honking like a right, goose. You know, this is the
1: beginning. Yeah, you know?
3: and I, I and you know I looked at looked at her. I said, look, Maura, I It took me a long time. No, you have never seen you play it before, and you just picked it up, and I can't do oh, that. So I that's
1: quit. Crushing. That's horrible. Yeah, I crushed her on that one. So that was bad. That's too bad. Yeah. Well, you didn't stay with clarinet. You got off of music. You ended up starting a little band by learning guitar. Mm-hmm. But uh, what was some music that played around the house? What's some stuff you enjoyed growing up? What you know, clarinets? when I was
3: a kid, we we listened to things. Of course, there was, you know, you had a lot of the the fifties music was going on. But my mother loved to listen to Elvis Presley, and mm-hmm. the Isley Brothers, and things like that. She always constantly had the radio going. And then I liked. Um, I remember when I was in junior high, we were listening to things. A lot of folk music. We listened to Dylan and, and the Mamas and the Papas, uh, uh, Peter Paul and Mary, uh, uh, John Sebastian, Love and Spoonful. Oh yeah, yeah. We were we were kind of Joan Baez was out,
1: you know. So we we listened to a lot of that. You know, John Sebastian. He wrote "Welcome Back, Cotter, yes. the theme song for the yeah. television show. If you remember that show? Yeah. Well, about the time that that had kind of come and gone initially and Steve Martin was really really big this is about 78 when Steve Martin was really blowing up as a comedian and yeah. doing the tour you know the college yeah. tours I got to go see it was like fourth row Steve Martin at Bradley University in Peoria Illinois and uh and <laughs> what's his name <laughs>
3: John Sebastian,
1: <laughs> that's the guy. That guy. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Gosh, I haven't thought of his name in a long time. Never heard of that. We're too young uh, for senior
3: moments. You so know that he
1: he was playing. He was opening the show. Oh, cool! And he, so he had by himself without Love and Spoonful, you know, without a band. He had like twelve guitars on stage in a big semicircle behind him, and he would just keep changing guitars and play a song. And he said he really enjoyed doing the Steve Martin tours because he got to do his crazier, weirder music, cool. and he did play some pretty weird music. He had a song called "Freezing from the Inside Out," wow. which was pretty scary. Yeah. But he was a great uh, singer-songwriter, a young kid with his first hit with the uh, "Love and Spoonful." Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Well, let's play. Uh, we'll give you a minute to take catch your breath. I know we're going. To I know. I'm full panting. Tilt.
3: I'm out of breath already. And uh, we'll play. I'm about uh, running out of things to talk about too. We'll
1: play one of their uh, one of their. T- oh no, you're not. Trust me. <laughs> and uh, we'll play one of their tunes. We'll give you a couple a couple minutes off. This is a tune called. Daydream by The Love and Spoonful.
4: What a day for a daydream What a day for a daydreaming boy And I'm lost in a daydream Dreaming about my bundle of joy And even if time ain't really on my side it's one of those days for taking a walk outside I'm blowing the day to take a walk in the sun And follow my face on somebody's new mode log I've been having a sweet dream I've been dreaming since I woke up today It's time me in my sweet dream Cause she's the one makes me feel this way And even if time is passing me by a lot, I couldn't care less about the dues you say I got. Tomorrow I'll pay the dues for dropping my loan, a pie in the face for being a sleepy bulldog. may pick up your ears, or you may be daydreaming for a thousand years. What a day for a daydream, custom made for a daydreaming boy. I'm lost in a daydream, dreaming about my bundle of joy.
0: listening to auto d coming at you live
1: and i am Otto daniolo the host of the show here with randall hedden and randall we've been talking a lot about your background a bit about some of the things you've done and um i introduced you as america's foremost speed painter but uh we haven't really talked a lot about how that became a career in and of itself and, and really how you got going with speed painting give, give me a little bit of that's that. a wild
3: story i had mentioned before that I had a gallery in Old Town Scottsdale in 2006 to 2009. Uh, we were doing really pretty well. Every Thursday night was Art Walk there. We had a live band there, Wine and Cheese. Mm-hmm. And in a two-hour period, we'd have between two and 400 people go through our gallery. It was basically elbows. Mm-hmm. To elbow all the way around the gallery, you know, people s- staying there, and then uh, we had thirty artists that we represented, and I would always be there. People wanted to talk,
1: and as you mentioned, there were a lot of galleries at the time. So was that lot. Used to I mean, be, it was full the art walks through Scottsdale. The art walkers went went
3: down uh, down Main Street through Marshall. Marshall went across Indian School in all the way down into Fifth Avenue. Right. It was completely solid galleries. Mm-hmm. Almost on top of each other. And then um, the uh, Main Street galleries went all the way to Goldwater mm-hmm. and even around uh, some of the other side streets. So we had, um, gosh, hundreds that seemed like galleries, just endless, right. all kinds of art you could find. Um, ours was a figure-defined art gallery where we just did um Portraits and and figurative work, right. you know. We we did a lot of that, and then all of our that's all of, that our other artists did. We had them, we had them from all over the
1: world. All and at this point, you hadn't done any speed painting other than what you were talking about the county fairs. Where the, you didn't the county fair doing, had done it. You know, count, right?
3: and uh, uh, the only so other thing I'd about? done as a side, I'd, I'd won a contest uh, doing a uh, comedy. Mm-hmm and uh, uh comedy was, uh, yeah <laughs> okay. I, I i won cool. some at a Catcher rising star affiliate back in 1980 okay. and i won i won 500 bucks cool doing it and i can't tell you the jokes are a little off color we can't say things like shit on this or things well, like that you know, damn it you
1: can say what you want doggone no on it we won't say it. you know
3: i don't want to we don't want to throw right. on f-bombs so tonight finish but. the story so anyway i did i did win that i have a little background and i'm reason i'm not a Comedian now because I really don't think I was that
1: funny. <laughs> okay. so. Well, you won the money. Well, I won the
3: money. I won the money. I'll do. But if there's money in front of me, I'll, I'll figure out a way to be funny. Yeah, I could be, I'd be funny. I'd be a rock star for a day. Right. And um, uh, so anyway, when the economy just took a sudden dive, right. it, it seemed like a sudden dive. I was always in the summertime. Uh, I, I uh, rented a condo in um, Coronado. Mm-hmm. And I would spend the summer in Coronado. It was a tough job. Everything I was doing, I was doing remotely. I had my laptop. I was doing my design work. And I always had a big job. You know, I think at the time I was designing a water park in uh, Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. So the water park had to look like um, uh, Venice. And it was 360,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. That's the size of the water park. It was a pretty good size. So I had to design every building, gondola, everything. And so I would do that, and I'd get up in the morning, and I'd, I'd go, to, go to the gym, work out, take a jog, and then I'd spend the morning and do this, and I'd take a two-hour lunch hour that was on the beach, and I'd come back from the beach, and I'd go back to work and do that, and then I'd go out in the evening and do this. And Mary had to stay home because she still had the kids were at home, and, mm-hmm. and so she would come over on weekends and things like that. So that was a great gig that I was I had going. I mean, we had a real big home over in Mesa, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, gardeners, and we even hired a chef at one time. Oh, those were was, the days. Those <laughs> were the days, my friend. And, uh, and you thought
1: they'd never. No, we
3: were we were pumping out uh, a lot of artwork, and I was keeping busy. Right, and then. Um, we saw signs before it really came down. Right. So you closed the the gallery. The gallery closed. It it just basically came to an abrupt stop. And almost um, closed itself. It, it it didn't go down slightly. It just fell off a cliff. Right. And so we kept the gallery open just enough. I honored the uh, the lease, mm-hmm. and we we paid out the lease and got out of there. But I had I had people BKing all over the place. I right. had thousands of dollars that people couldn't pay me right and you know I had people I owed money to as, right. as well so things kind of took a really bad turn. during that time 68 galleries followed me in closing right. in that same area so it turned into a virtual ghost town and I'm sitting at home with one of my buddies is a really good businessman I said man I say I said I don't I really don't know what to do I don't want to get out of this business at the time, I probably had been in business as a professional artist for um, close to thirty-five years. Sure. What am I going to do now? You know, go back to school and uh, learn something else. I just didn't want to do it. I've, I'm an artist. That's all I've done. Right. I've worked with myself all my life. So one of my one of my buddies said, "Well, he'd known me since Indiana," and he says, "Well, he says I've seen you, um, I've seen you on stage when you did your comedy." And I've seen you paint in front of people at the state fairs. Why don't you paint one of your paintings on stage? I said, well, that sounds like a pretty cool idea. So I went and Googled uh, painting live on stage on uh, YouTube, and a guy named Denny Dent shows up. Denny was the first speed painter. He started uh, speed painting in Central Park right after John Lennon was assassinated. Mm. So I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to try try this out. So I got a big five-foot-by-five-foot five canvas in my studio at home. And uh, it was a Sunday morning at 7 a.m., and I played some Beatles music, and I painted Paul McCartney. I still have a picture of that canvas. Hmm. Looked pretty good. Looked like him. And I started laughing, and, and Mary was listening to me. Because you did it pretty <clears throat> quick. You were going did for in, speed, right? I did it in 12 minutes. Okay. On a five-by-five. Five-foot-by-five-foot. Five Paul McCartney in 12 minutes and i wasn't looking at anything well i, was, I had a picture of paul's kind of looking off to the side but i finished it and i was like this is just just too not easy but this is a, a big change from I can, I can do this my thirty thousand dollar oil paintings i was selling right so um so i started to kind of work this thing a little bit and um i kept having these uh, uh, little uh, dreams or visions and you know, if you get a bad jingle from an advertisement in your head, right. it just won't go away. Well, mine was Anytime at All by the Beatles. I was not a Beatles fan. And you kept hearing this song. I kept hearing doing. Anytime at All. I woke up in the middle of the night. My wife will attest for this. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, listen, to Anytime at All. Uh, I'd be grabbing a sandwich out of the, the fridge anytime at all. I'd be driving down the road anytime at all finally i'm like i i I don't know what this is so i went on itunes and typed in anytime at all and it was anytime at all you know and it was the beatles and i'm like okay all right it's the beatles and uh i started getting all of these little weird vibes and uh, uh i had these dreams and visions of john lennon and i uh really didn't pay a lot of attention to it But my first painting that I ever did live on stage was a painting of John Lennon at the Mesa Arts Center. Mm -hmm. It was six and a half foot square. I did it in nine minutes. We sold it for $5,000. Wow. And um, one of the guys that was managing me uh, sent me a text. He says, "I, I just saw a Vegas act tonight. That was the first time I had been on stage in front of anybody since the 80s. Doing anything like that. It felt really good. Uh, I did another show about three months later for um, uh, the uh, um, Hospice of the Valley Mm -hmm. at the Biltmore. Mm -hmm. Hospice of the Valley had these tables where one of the tables is all nurses and doctors, and the other one is people that were like uh, maybe clergy, um, spiritual people. Well, a lady came up to me after I I did a Rat Pack show at the Biltmore and I'm sat down and they, they wanted to feed me afterwards. So I'm sitting down at a table and people were coming over to get their picture taken with, with me. Mm-hmm. And a lady comes down and she goes, hi, my name is Anita and I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a nurse practitioner mm-hmm. and I'm also, um, I'm also an empath and, and psychic. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And she says, I just have one question I want to ask you. And I said, well, what's that? And she says, I want to know when you were up there painting. Why did I keep seeing John Lennon standing behind you? And of course, the goosebumps kind of got popped up on my on my arm. And and my wife was sitting next to me, and she kind of nudged me, and said, "Well, tell her, tell her the story. Tell her the story." So I told her a little bit about it, but
1: hearing the song, yeah. And then
3: you know, time went on, and my bestseller has always been the John Lennon speed painting Mm -hmm. you know it's I've done a lot of them a lot of the other ones but that's always been my best seller Um, as time went on I got discovered uh, at a casino by Charlie Daniels manager Mm -hmm. he sent me to Nashville and I've opened up for Wynonna Judd, and Brad Paisley, Darius Rucker, uh, Travis Tritt, and Charlie Daniels and, as well. And you painted those guys up for them. I painted those guys them. on stage, you know. I'll
1: and a lot a, of your speed painting you've done for charitable events where you, you're you being paid a fee, but then they're auctioning off the painting for charity. They're auctioning. I get a small fee, <clears> and, and they auction off the painting. we have uh, done raised, with pro ball players. and Pro
3: ball players, actors, you know, uh, politicians all kinds of athletes that, that that you know the athletes that's coming in and out of my studio uh, if I told you all of them you, would, you wouldn't you would believe me you right. know it's like I, I have some of them on my auto dial that I can call them up and say hey I got an event can you come by and I'll paint you and
1: we'll make some money
3: you
0: know. And so.
1: you still go back and forth I mean it's not like now you only do speed painting I saw a Dave Matthews painting oh, you yeah. did that was, it inc- looked like a photograph it was incredible. Of yeah, them playing live a, on stage. I
3: had a client in North Carolina commissioned me to do the Dave Matthews. He was a personal acquaintance of Dave's, mm-hmm. and he was kind of like a, you know, kind of like the Deadheads follow him. He follows Dave Matthews right. around, right. and uh, uh, he paid really good money for that painting. But Dave got wind of it, mm-hmm. and and he was actually in town during the painting being being done, but I never was able to connect with him. I did get a call, said, hey, you know, if, if Dave has time, can he stop by? I'm like, yes, <laughs> he certainly can. You know, that would
1: be really, really cool to have that happen. Yeah. But,
3: yeah, I got that one done. Cool. That was a lot of fun.
1: So in your music series and uh, some of the fine art music stuff, the um, the ones we were talking about before, they're on the buildings, the sides of the buildings. Yeah. You did a blues, a blues series. You've done, uh, in this fine art version of those, you've just done these classic rock guys, right? And these oils. Those are
3: basically classic rock, but I'm still going to go back to the blues. Uh, I've got some uh, uh, original photographs of B.B. King that mm-hmm. were taken. I purchased those to, to work off of. So I'm going to come up with another B.B. King mm-hmm. Um on that but I did yeah I did have a show at the Herberger uh, about a year and a half ago called The Art of Blues where everything I painted came to life so B.B. King came to life and, and uh, uh,
1: Billie Holiday Etta James cool and full Bloody disclosure eye. you mean we've we've actually worked on that process together at one point we have I, you met me and I was doing a John Lennon tribute show and, and all of a sudden you thought I, I know how to have John behind me and we did a big yeah. show on we John's, did big John's last birthday show. at Celebrity Theater where it was pretty incredible. You painted four different faces of John. You'd paint one. I'd come out in that outfit. You'd paint another. I'd come out in that outfit with Marmalade Skies, a whole band playing behind us. Yep. It was great, great fun. It was a big, big, big time.
3: That's funny how that started. You know, it was a guy that has, has never met you. He was in my studio one day when I was working on a, another speed painting project. Right. This is probably about the time the, I was putting, putting together the Art of Blue show. And he said, you know, there's this guy, and he's doing this John Lennon show. I heard about it. His name's Otto. <laughs> he says you ought to meet Otto. You need to meet Otto someday. And I went, yeah, that'd be kind of neat, you know. And then uh, Bob Conrad. Oh
1: yeah, Bob.
3: You know, Bob comes uh, and he sends me an email one day. I guess you had uh, signed on to do a couple of shows through one of right. his entertainment companies, and, right. and um, all of a sudden it's like Randall meet Otto,
1: Otto yeah, meet we Randall. Had a sit down. We met fun. your old,
3: old recording studio, I'm like, wow, yeah. it was pretty
1: cool. So, I recall coming by your office and. I was there for a minute to pick something up or drop something off. I don't remember. And then I'm about to leave, and the guy's like, "Yep, he sure does." It's like, who, who does that? Like, <laughs> he says, "You look like John Lennon." I told him you. It's like, watch this guy coming in. And he looks like John Lennon. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Well, listen. That this week, in fact, I shouldn't even say this week. In the last 48 hours, people have been dealing with uh, becoming aware that David Bowie's passed. Yeah. Uh, an incredible, incredible artist on a lot of levels. Have you ever painted David at all?
3: I stopped everything I was doing today, and I worked on David. I'll have David done oh, tomorrow.
1: Okay. Oh, so this I'll is your do, first one? Yeah, check this my Facebook that, page. Is this in that same style of these recent in the the same classic style, series, yes. so the, the red and yellow? And in fact, I had
3: begun uh, researching David uh, about a year ago, and I, and I thought I didn't have anything. I went to my files, and lo and behold, there was a David Bowie file, and I went and I actually grabbed the the picture, the first picture that I chose of him, and that's the one I'm going to have. So I'll have that, I'll have it posted on Facebook in a, two or three days.
1: You know, when I came up, that's gonna, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward. I to I am that. too. I'm really excited about it. And when I when I came up playing, first started playing guitar, um, I remember that you you'd learn the songs by ear that you could think of, the simple ones that you heard on the radio. Yeah. But the first song I heard that somebody played for me, or that I heard, I remember exactly where I heard it. Uh, where the guitar part, not the song, the guitar part inspired me to learn it, was a tune of David Bowie's called Rebel Rebel. Oh,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. That's something you can really learn it's really good, like, cool, like what I, I did back mm-hmm. in uh, Iron Butterfly and Inagata DeVita. Mm-hmm. You know, so we just...
1: Yeah. <laughs> Learned all that stuff. Well, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like, in honor of David Absolutely. and his, his amazing career, really, I'm going to spin uh, Rebel Rebel, and we're going to take another couple minutes off. So here is uh, David Bowie on The Auto D Show with Randall Hedden today. That is a great, great classic song. Oh, yeah. If anybody in my band's listening, hey, guys, we're going to put that in the next show. <laughs> That's going to be a fun song to play. And, you know, hearing it now, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Satisfaction by the Stones, too. There's a lot of influence between the bands back in the day, you know, all coming from the same community. I think they talked community. a lot. Well, they play. They came from the same yeah, place, you absolutely. know, played a lot. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, now you you told me too that you just recently listened to David's new record. You bought it. I listened to the entire Dark Star album. What would you think of it? I thought it was it was a the work was really
3: kind of haunting. Mm-hmm. You know, it was almost prophetic as far as I could I could see. I even watched the video, the Dark mm-hmm. the Dark Star video. And um, he had a lot of references to like the crucifixion and death and dying and even the the Dark Star was uh, on this book that appeared to be a bible mm-hmm. but it was just a dark black star mm-hmm. on it and i thought it was really kind of cool you know how he had put all that together it was mm-hmm. very very it reminded me of johnny cash's last album he put out before he passed right you know and it was cash's was so reflective and so dark mm-hmm. that album was and this is kind of how uh bowie's last album seemed to come off.
1: Well, it's interesting knowing that they're going to pass, you know, knowing that being in yeah. touch with the fact that the end is going to be near kind of gives you a certain perspective your previous work didn't have.
3: Yeah, it was just a- odd that, it, you know, he passed just a few days after his birthday. Mm-hmm. And, and the album was released, what, on the 8th? Yeah. And it comes out and he passes on the 10th. Yeah. And here it is, 11th.
1: Well, and you realize, you know, the, the amount of time it takes to put something like that together. So he started the project a long time ago. It takes a while. Yeah. To, to, How long to, did it take him? You think to start if and do not, this album? If, if he's you're not do doing that. anything else, writing and recording, manufacturing, marketing and releasing, to do that in less than a year is a, is incredible. Nearly impossible. It really takes months. Of writing and months of recording. So he could have probably after. started working on this album when he first got his diagnosis of cancer. He could have started working on the record five years ago or ten years oh, ago. Wow. He could have sped it up in the last 18 months, you know, yeah. and really poured his heart into it, knowing he wanted to get it done. Yeah, but well, we were uh, talking about that before. You know, you know what, something what like this I do, in If three I knew weeks. I was going to die,
3: mm-hmm. I'd probably change. You. I said I would paint more than I'm doing now, I'd become more prolific, and you said I would probably change what
1: I was painting Yeah. and I'm like uh, and I think on a certain uh, way you'd be painting things where you know you know what people are going to see it one way today but after I'm gone they're going to know I, I knew I would try to leave a message there somehow and I think yeah, I think he did the same I think he kind yeah. of prepared his farewell he knew he was going to be passing. I think it was masterful yeah interesting I'm going to miss him yeah he was an incredible talent and um, what do you got coming up? What's going on next? Oh, for it's always something and... interesting.
3: You know, you never know when the phone's going to ring or you get something, uh, an email going. Hey, uh, I've got this crazy idea, but do you think you can fill in the blank? So the last couple of ones that I'm working on uh, that are, of course, I've got some corporate shows coming up, and then some of the small private gigs that I'm doing that uh, that take up a lot of my my speed painting mm-hmm. time. But uh I am going to be uh down at Atlanta Motor Speedway in the end of February. Um I'm gonna be opening up for Darius Rucker. If we're gonna there's a oh, children's cool. hospital down there. We're mm-hmm. gonna raise money for that. And then in uh in July, uh down at the Celebrity Theater, I'm opening up for Jeff Foxworthy. That'll so, be fun. Uh, that was kinda cool. So we're working on uh, a couple other Regular gigs, I haven't um, really gotten any word back, but you know, a a nice Motown group wants me to go tour with them for a little while Mm -hmm. and open up. I do a killer Ray Charles, so they want me to start off with a Ray Charles, so we might be doing something like that. So now, with
1: your speed painting process, you you let's say you get hired to do a corporate gig and they want you to paint the CEO, and this guy isn't famous, you've never seen him before, and they want you to paint three or four other guys they're going to give watches to at this big party. You've done stuff like that.
3: I've done as many as sixteen in
1: a row. Really, how do you prepare to do a new image like that when it's like, okay, a week from now, you're going to paint this guy and you're never going to paint him again? Well, first of all, I need a week. I need that week. You know,
3: when I had, I got commissioned to do one for a large medical supply company last year, about this time last year, we started practicing on that show in October. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a five-figure show, big time, but I had 16 people that were getting awarded that painting and a Rolex watch. $35,000 $35,000 Rolex watch. So they had me in the budget. For 16, uh, God, 16
1: people, people that, that I'd never, never met. Seen. I had one picture of each one of them to work off of. So tell me, take one of those for me and tell me how do you, because when you paint them, for those who haven't seen your show, in which you can certainly YouTube and find Randall mm-hmm. Hedden Speed Painter on, on YouTube, or go to your webpage. Just go but, Randall Hedden on YouTube, you'll find But when you do this, yeah. the... the canvas is spinning around you're turning it and painting you're spinning it a quarter and you're painting it you're turning it upside down you're painting you're spinning it back and you're painting how in the world i don't know how you do that with famous people but how in the world do you do it with someone you've never seen before how do you get that in your head so you can put that on the page while it's start off with a with a 112 scale uh image and
3: i'm and i work and i do a mock-up color rendering of it what i've done is i've parsed it you know how you like you'll parse a sentence. In grammar school, you know, this mm-hmm. is the noun, the adverb, verb, you know, and I parse my my painting out by separating the colors. It's not a paint by number, but, in but I separate it. You know. Yeah, I'm separating, you know, because I can't go to the to the to any one color more than one time with the brush. Because that requires another. That's like having it takes time because nine colors instead of eight, brush. or right. ten colors instead of eight. Right. So I have to start off with with the first color and end with the last color, and it's wow. done. That's how it has to be. So then I have to find out what kind of music am I going to use. Do I use my music? Do I mix it? You know, if it's a famous person, it's easy. If it's not a famous person, like if it's some CEO, i got to find out, well, what's their favorite stuff? Oh, they like Led Zeppelin. So
4: I'll and, end and you with try Led to, Zeppelin.
1: And you try to do this piece in a certain number of minutes, so then you try to use musical cues. I know you have in some yeah. to trigger you to say, okay, you should be done with this bit now. I should be done with this. I should color be on this color, color this, and I should have this, this brush in this hand. Wow.
3: That's where it should be. And you memorized these sequels
1: Right, for and, and
3: like uh, I remember I was doing a, a, a painting of Robin Williams. The uh, songwriter had written this five-minute song of Robin, and he says, well, you know, you need to get, and there's, you know, I've got 24 square feet of, of canvas to fill in five minutes of Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. So, but he said, well, what I want you to do is, like when Robin, he speaks in part of this, uh, this uh, the audio he says i need you to be able to turn him right side up as he's speaking so people realize that's who you're painting well that's at three minutes and 60 50 seconds so <laughs> i literally have to paint robin williams in three minutes and 50 seconds and then put the background in and we timed it to where it came out
1: perfectly so wow. that seems like an incredible that's a amount tough of job and work. yeah
3: it, it, they say that you have to be able to do something six times in a row to be able to memorize it and i think it takes more than that for me so
1: <laughs> now you when you uh start with your first painting and you separate those colors um you used really do paint a lot of the image upside down so yes. how do you how do you reverse that image in your mind so that you can work upside down well
3: i have I've, i get i mock some up in the studio and all the paintings are upside down so when I'm looking at a reference, I'm you looking mean the at photos. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh. But okay. the the color renderings that I'm renders? doing. Okay. So I'll, I'll practice that painting. I've got black paper that I'll practice on the painting in right. the studio. Well, I, I those are all upside down. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at something when I'm painting. So I've got everything's upside down. So when you're practicing, you're looking at an upside down. It's upside down. down, down. Image of the person you're really like upside, memorizing their upside face down. upside down. Right. In right. In fact, I I even surprised myself sometimes because i you know when I I had two days to get ready for the Ray Charles. And so I had to, you know, of course, I had, it was easy getting Ray Charles music, but to practice him upside down. I spent a lot, a lot of hours on that. Went into the, uh, I was at the Celebrity Theater again doing that one. And I really had no idea how it was going to turn out. Because of the lack of practice time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was doing this upside down and I knew I had it because I wasn't watching. I spun it right side up because I'm not watching that. I'm not standing back like the whole crowd is. I'm right up on this thing. I only see what's in front of me. So I don't get the whole picture. Right. So when I spun it around, people were st- all of a sudden, they started, st- started standing up and, and and screaming and yelling. And I thought, okay, I
1: got this thing. <sighs> I stood back and went, hey, it does look like Ray Charles. It's great. That's <laughs> so, good fantastic well listen um how can people get a hold of you if they want to check out some of your work or potentially hire you
3: well you can go to two websites one is tributeartlive.com. and the other one is real easy to find i just started this one it's randall and randall is two l's two l's a l l and two d's and or if you need to watch some of the videos to check them out you can just uh, google or uh, do a search on on youtube of randall hedden and
1: you'll find about 30 or 40 videos of me and hedden is h-e-d-d-e-n correct awesome well listen man i want to thank you for coming in it's and been being fun auto it's always great to hear the stories thanks so when are you going to speed paint me i
3: don't know next time i
1: put my wig like well, i
3: speed painted you as john lennon come on that's enough right?
1: <laughs> all right my friend you take care see you take care man